0: Ow. 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 It's Monday, February 12th, 2018. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this is episode 149 of the 5049 Podcast. How are you guys doing? Thank you for joining us for another conversation between myself and another musician. Today that musician is an intense saxophonist, improviser, uh, curator named Michael Foster. He's a good dude, and he plays the shit out of the saxophone. Let's have a listen. Uh, Michael Foster's on the show today, and it's a good one. Before we get into that, let me just say a couple of things. Um, Number one, if you are enjoying this show and uh, you want to show some appreciation, there's a couple of ways you could do that. One, you can go to iTunes. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You do that, you get the show the second I upload it to iTunes, which is usually a day before Monday. It's usually Sunday night when I put it up. That helps. That helps bring more visibility and listenership to the show. Um, Aside from that, Uh, Right now, this is a a listener-supported show. So if you want to throw in a little little dough, a little dough-ray-me, you could go to patreon.com slash 5049podcast. There you could pledge a uh, a monthly amount. One other thing, um, and I don't know why this just occurred to me. People ask me from time to time. um, I get emails, and people, you know, when I run into them, ask me, what does the name 5049 mean? And I'll just tell you, it's pretty dumb. When trying to think of a name for, for the record label, I wanted a, a, a name that could be pronounced many different ways, and, and however you pronounce it, uh, it would never be incorrect. So, 5049, 5049, 5049, all of these are correct, and uh, I, I like that it was two numbers side by side, one, uh, you know, in, in sequential order. So, that's it. Um I don't know. I don't know why on the 149th episode I'm finally, you know, uh, getting around to seeing what that is. People ask me. There it is. Today on the show, Michael Foster. I first met Michael, I think, pretty shortly after he moved to New York about five or six years ago. Uh, He's originally from New York. He spent his teenage years out in Los Angeles. You know, and like a lot of uh, uh, improvisers, young improvisers, moved to New York, you know, shortly after college... He's been really immersing himself in uh, the city, you know, particularly in Brooklyn and now into Ridgewood. The scene of improvised music, uh, which, you know, is multi-generational and very vast. Um, He's been booking series uh, originally at Jack Performance Space in Brooklyn. Uh, He was doing a thing for a while with Josh Sinton and others at 65 Fenn, also in Brooklyn. And more recently, along with composer, improviser, sound artist uh, Richard Camerman, they've created uh, a queer-centric curatorial platform called Queer Trash. I'm not going to talk about what Queer Trash is now. We talk about it a lot on the show today. But what I will let you know is that for 2018... Queer Trash is the recipient and and presenter of the Suzanne Field Curatorial Fellowship at Issue Project Room. What that means is over the course of the year, they're going to be presenting um, several shows that are specific to what they're doing with Queer Trash. And again, we're going to talk a lot about on the show today uh, about, about what that is. The first concert that they're going to be presenting is happening Saturday, March 10th. At Issue Project Room, and it's going to be, I think, like all of the shows that they present, um, and like you know, a lot of what Michael does in his music, I think it's going to be uh, a pretty confrontational evening of music. Performers that night: Brutal Measures, which is Lydia Lunch and Weasel Walter, Straight Panic. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a very challenging and and I think special evening of music, and and like I just said a second ago. If I had to pick one or two words to describe what Michael does with music, confrontational would probably uh, be, be pretty close to the top, if not the first word I would choose. Um, he's a great guy. I really enjoyed having him over my place, talking a little bit. Uh, this was just recorded last week. And if you're around on March 10th, get down to Issue Project Room. You know, these guys are really putting a lot of, of work into this, and they're really putting a lot of themselves into it. And, you know, it's a refreshingly different take. Um, to improvise music to noise music to whatever you want to call what it is that they 're up to to be able to appreciate it from the perspective of non cisgender white males honestly is is a treat and it's refreshing and you know for those of us who can from time to time complain about stasis about homogeny in the worlds of improvised music in the worlds of of you know, abstract-based instrumental music, uh, here's something different. If you want to find out more about Michael Foster, you're going to want to go to michaelfostermusic.com. You can find out all about him there. You can look at his live dates. You can uh, link to his Bandcamp page, which he uploads stuff to pretty frequently. Um, if you're looking for something to sort of dive into, he's uh, he's putting together a pretty, pretty full world for himself of, of recorded music. MichaelFosterMusic.com, and that's it. Uh, check out the archive; a lot of episodes are up there. Um, I'm kind of thinking about having people from the past back on again. I was listening to some of the early shows, and there's some really great stuff. There's some really interesting people, but I, I don't think the show was, you know, as focused as it is now. So I'm kind of thinking about having b- uh, back some people from the early episodes who who I really enjoy talking to, and maybe could uh, we could, we could redo it in a way. I don't know; just something I've been thinking about. That's it. I hope you guys are all well. Here's my conversation with Michael Foster.
1: the Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: I don't know saxophone. So, right, right. Like, I was right. having problems with it, like, you know, producing tones
1: and stuff. And I was like,
0: I don't know if this is me or the horn, because the horn seemed yeah, like yeah, yeah. it
1: had... Well, you were also... I remember that, that Facebook post, you we were like, I want an AutoLink mouthpiece. And it's like, the funny thing is coming from, like, a clarinet to, yeah. like, an auto-link. It's, like, a totally different, like, concept of blowing, How I so? Think. Well, I, I never really did clarinet. I just, like, faked clarinet sure. or, like... that's what I did. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um... But, you know, like an Autolink mouthpiece is, like, super open on the uh-huh. inside. Like, the chamber itself, like a big tunnel. Right. Whereas, like, for clarinet, most of the mouthies I've seen, like and open. I used to work at, like, Sam Ash, you know, right, they're right. like...
0: Oh, you're not there anymore. No,
1: oh, thank God. Right. No, I do something worse now. Oh, shit. <laughs> but wait, wait, <laughs> but so the Autolink
0: thing is hard because it's just... People it's say so it's open.
1: hard because, like, the... It takes a lot of air just to get, like... Any sound out of it because right. the chamber's so open.
0: So I finally bought a bass clarinet. Like I used to have
1: a bass clarinet. Yeah.
0: And it, again, it had like issues.
1: Yeah. So I finally
0: bought this horn that like is like just a blank slate. It's brand new. Like overhaul. whole de- thing decent like intermediate model. I bought like a, a Vandoren mouthpiece. Like yeah, I know hundred yeah,
1: percent that anything that's fucked up on it would is be me. You. Right. Right. right? Right. So if like I, I... man, I just got like a new tenor, or I sold the tenor, bought a tenor. Sometimes I do this to, like, make a you, little bit of extra. I feel like you
0: extra. sell a lot of horns. I always see you post Yo, shit. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, well, it's from, like, my Sam Ash shit. Because you got stuff on discount? Well, not just I would get stuff on discount. Like, you know, you just, like, you get your eyes open to seeing people coming with, like, gear and stuff. And sometimes, usually when I flip a horn, it's so I can make, like, a grand You'll in make the money exchange. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do it to lose money unless, like, right. somehow I had money, which, like, has not happened. But do you
0: ever, like, I... I'm always I'm selling a clarinet on eBay right now, right. just because like I buy shit and then I'm like I haven't played that thing in right, all right, totally years.
1: Like I just I can barely focus on one instrument. Yeah, and you do eBay. Yeah, my problem with eBay is like, <laughs> I, I mean, eBay. I I mean I love eBay, yeah. but the problem with it is like they end up taking a big they chunk. Do.
0: I didn't realize that. Yeah. until the other day.
1: Like, like where'd that extra hundred
0: bucks go? Yeah. You know? I like, sold uh I so I got into this thing where like I buy I'll buy gear, pedals, right, right. preamps, mics, horns, yeah. all this fucking shit. And I'll give it like six months, and if I don't like you know, if I just I'm totally. not using it, I can just, you know, boom Same. I'll, I'll eat like ten percent or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I bought it's this. The restocking like, fee. Yeah, exactly. Basically
1: it's like a trial fee. Like yeah, I pay so that much to try. I don't this have to that. go to
0: Guitar Center. <laughs> so I bought yeah. this I, I bought and sold this really expensive preamp. Yeah. I didn't know that they were gonna automatically like just take hundred and fifty bucks from my bank account. Oh, what? Yeah. Like Ugh. six months later, I was just like, what the fuck is this charge?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, it's yeah. like, that's the thing is like, maybe they've all gotten wind that, you know, like what we're doing.
0: But that's what everyone does. That's how that marketplace works. I
1: know. I mean, I've it's like, like, a swap meet. Like, I've done like Reverb, which is actually kind of better maybe than yeah. eBay because it's just like a solid eight bucks or something. Per sale. Right. And depending it on out the garbage people. It kind of helps out the garbage people, but basically you can. Like, for a while, like, I fucked up, like, a mouthpiece I loved. I was like, oh, my God, like, oh, You know, like, for like when that happens for me, it's, like, a total psychological crumble. Yeah. Um, So I'd be like, okay, fuck, like, these things are expensive, but, like, if I don't like it, they say there's a return policy. So I would do that with these, like, you know, yeah. $500 mouthpieces and be like, really? if I'm going to do, like, if I'm going to drop 500 bucks, I really want to make sure it's, like, the best fucking thing I could possibly get. Yeah. I've never yeah. spent that much money on a mouthpiece. Not f- for saxophone, it's like it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I. Fuck. Like, I mean, someone just like gave me this old Autolink soprano mouthpiece that was like pretty fucked up. Had been to like Hell and Back mm-hmm. through like different refacers who like basically made it so it was like a valley on like the table. It was like a disaster. Yeah. And. Little did I know this thing was like worth like fifteen hundred bucks, or like people list it for fifteen hundred bucks. No one's paying fifteen hundred bucks for a fucking mouthpiece, and if they are, like, who are they? Is it maybe like I mean, I saw a picture the other day of David Sanborn's mouthpiece. Oh yeah, mouthpiece he's been
0: playing since like the
1: early eighties. Right, right, because he's been using that like Silverite Dukov shit that we would sell at Sam Ash. Right. And those things are, like, a lot of people use them. Like, Zorn is... Yeah, I
0: mean, uh, yeah, I mean Zorn mouthpiece, too. You look at these things, I don't even know how he's still producing a tone on they
1: fucking silverite. Right? These things, they, they, like, crumble. Like, even the ones that we would get new from Dukov, and granted, the ones that we get now are probably significantly worse than the ones from even 20 years ago. <laughs> but, like, like, when Bobby Dukov was alive, who uh-huh. made them? And he oversaw the production.
0: To, to some extent. Right. To some
1: extent. Right. Lesser extent than probably way earlier. But we'd see them and be like, oh, what the f- like this, like even, you know, usually to find like a, an irregularity in a mouthpiece, you have to have like a, you know, some whole like headset on to like zoom in and take a look at it. Yeah. Because it was just obvious that they were fucked up. Right. You know, and then like you have to still sell them for like whatever they go for now.
0: There's something about, I, I had this conversation years ago. Um, oh, should with, I grab this? Well, yeah, it's real. Oh, Cheers. Cheers. Uh, with Ben Goldberg, oh, yeah. the clarinetist, and we had, you know, I mean, it's definitely the clarinet, and I feel like the saxophone as well, it's like the instrument and the way, you know, the, the the three components, the horn, the mouthpiece, the four components, the ligature, and the reed. Right, right. Like, it's almost designed to never be, like, a fixed thing.
1: Right. You're you always know always trying to, like... Man, I've been freaking out this weekend, or, like, for the last two weeks, I just, like, have not been able to find a good reed. And... I switched over to these. These... Oh yeah. See, I've been I've tried those yeah. and I've just never been able to get like like if I want to play tenor, I want like the full like on Soprano, it seems to still maintain a fullness even if you're using like a synthetic reed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. like oh n- Soprano's never been temperamental for me. Tenor has like always been the most temperamental. Yeah. It might be because of like the setup that like I just found myself accustomed to. Uh-huh. Or something. But I've tried so many synthetic reeds, And like what do you do? You buy it, you return it, but like you put it in your mouth. I just like.
0: I mean, look. You know, there was a couple years ago, maybe like three, four years ago, where the uh, reed. Like I used to play these reeds called marca. Yo, those are great. Like, yeah, well, they used to be right. Just, I I okay, here. I want to hear your opinion.
1: I don't know anyone cares
0: about this shit. But yeah. It was the thing was like you buy a box of marca superior and seven yeah. out of ten would be good. Right. which is unheard of. Right. And then they switch. I noticed the box was different and I open up a box. Black box now? It's like a it's like a gray sort of like Oh, it's a different one than the one I So, the, it used to be the black box. Those were the yeah. good ones. Now you'd be lucky to get one out of 10 that were good. So I spent a whole summer and yeah, like you gotta hundreds get a of shaver. dollars just Seriously. trying all this fucking shit out and it's yeah. like, man, if there's a box Of reeds, and I'm lucky to get three good ones out of it. I'm just gonna like learn how to
1: sound okay and feel okay on a synthetic reed. Well, David S. Ware used a fucking one of those synthetic berry reeds that whenever I try them, I start bleeding. Really? Yeah, they have like these like fucking like ribbed. I don't know if ribbed is the word I want (laughs) to use, but you know, (laughs) like (laughs) they have these like kind of like ribbed, hard plastic bumps that just like, you know, I just. like, yeah, really, I've, like, never bled from playing saxophone, but those, it's like, like, oh, cool, let me try this out for the first time, then within five minutes, I'm like, oh, okay, I can't play for, like, mm-hmm. the rest of the day. But he sounded great on him. Did you like David Ware's playing? I love David S. Ware's playing. Yeah. Love David S. Ware's playing. Kind of like, like one of the main guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a fucking tenor sound. Do people talk about him like they should? Not like they should. Not like they should. I mean, there's also, like, his body of work is, like, very, it's super focused, and that's kind of uh-huh. unusual, it, think for like a lot of people who are like instrumentalists yeah and improvisers but he's like it's like no my quartet or like on silk heart the early trio yeah. stuff but yeah i mean he's just so good yeah like when i want to listen to like like real tenor players you know like i mean it's funny because like i usually it's not like i don't listen to jazz i totally listen to jazz but like today i was listening to like willis jackson uh-huh. and gene ammons and like lockjaw and like David I swear to me is like in that school of like the big fat tenor yeah. sound that's super dynamic uh-huh. and really vocal, but like full bodied. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like and that is so inspiring to me on like so many levels, regardless of the kind of music I'm doing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like even if it's like a kind of a super like tenor heavy, free jazzy type of thing, or even if it's like some uh you know, like whatever like New York review of cocksucking uh-huh. music is, it still like applies like that kind of like full um like kind of full spectrum sound, but really feeling like the throat, the spit. Like a growl the air, the growl, like yeah. that's like the full body of the instrument to me. And of like your your body mm-hmm. going into it. So It's weird, Sax is one of those instruments mm-hmm. where like
0: I mean, I could tell you, you know, my, who my favorite sax players are, and in my mind, they're all very unique, you yeah. know, um, but gen- as a generalization, like, I don't like sax
1: players that sound too good.
0: Yeah, Coltrane yeah, would yeah, be, like, yeah, yeah. the exception. Right, right, right. Like, no one yeah, will yeah, ever yeah. play better
1: than that. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I believe that to be true. Well, I mean, you know, whenever you go to, like, a repair person, like, whenever I go to, like, my repair guy, like, we're tight, like, we can talk, like, gear and uh-huh. bullshit and whatever all day long. I can't, I can barely fucking read music right you know what I mean I got kicked out of more jazz classes than I attended to completion right but we can still talk but then when it comes down to like hey like you know do you who was it the other day was like I was like you know about Kenny Millions because I was about to share I a just show with Kenny Millions video. oh my god he's the best <laughs> uh, I mean I could go on about him forever because I have like he was like my, me- my first saxophone teacher's like old friend from Detroit back okay. in the 60s. Okay. So that's how I heard about Kenny was through my mentor, who only knew him as Keshavon. Right. Which is, so that's a whole nother thing, but I was like trying to show this guy, I was like, you know, some early Kenny shit where he's like, quote unquote, playing the playing. shit out of the saxophone. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it was just like, meh.
0: He didn't get it at he all. He just
1: like didn't care. Or even like, I remember playing like a Dewey Redmond thing. Uh-huh. I thought like, who doesn't like Dewey Redmond? Right. Like, you know, I mean, even if you like, like, normal shit, you know, he was in, like, Keith Jarrett's Totally, band totally, whatever, totally. And he was just like, wow, really sloppy. And I was like, what are you
0: fucking He talking? said that about Dewey Redmond.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, because he was playing Joshua Redmond, and I was like, oh, oh, that's fine. but Everything like,
0: next to Joshua Redmond sounds
1: sloppy sloppy, and fucked up. And Well, that's like, you know, the Joshua Redmond video. He used to play this Sam Ash all the time. The one that's like a tenor battle of him versus uh, fucking James Carter oh, is one of that. the funniest <laughs> things ever. But, like, I mean, it's there's just- not even music right I don't know I'll uh, well, yeah, like shot <laughs> uh, right. but you know it's like yeah. it's like they're playing like round midnight but like really fast with like a, a big band just, and all these like just
0: articulations and yeah but it's and- like
1: you know Joshua Riven does like a nice line sounds great you know and then James Carter just comes out doing some like some like pornographic sick disgusting stuff but then turning it into like a cheesy blues line at the same time it's like the South Park shit It is, dude. It's so weird. And he's really into South Park. He is. He's like really into that shit. I have no idea how that world
0: works. Like I sort of, (laughs) I have friends, you know, who go in and out of that world. And like I have to go to like Roberto's sometimes to get, you know, shit done. I just don't
1: even know how to talk. I I feel so like self-conscious where like. I, tell me, I used to feel so, I mean even, I guess working at Sam Ash kind of.
0: But no and one comes yeah, into
1: Sam Ash who can actually play. Surpri- You'd be surprised. <laughs> Hugh Masekela came in. He just died. He did just die. Yeah, He, was, uh, he said some really funny things, which I shouldn't repeat because he just <laughs> died. But yeah. he said some like nasty shit. I was really? Like, yeah, yeah, of course. course, though. He's old course. school. Right. They're all going to say something like, wow, you just said that. Amazing. <laughs> but James Carter, we going all the time to like flip. You know, He's got like 100 horns. Sure. More. So he'll just like, come and be like, I don't know, I got this like, Bundy or whatever. Like, uh, I need some money. Right, and he would just come and make you know make him a deal, or like Charles Gale would come in, yeah, to go say like. I heard he's not really playing horn anymore. You know, I don't. I studied with him for a bit. And really? We were, yeah, we, that's like a whole another. <laughs> Where did you study with Charles? I mean, not till, like, okay, okay. No, no. I, um, this is probably, how did I study with? Char- okay, so I started with Charles because I used to work at the Jazz Foundation of America, which is an amazing organization. Okay, uh, they're in the Musicians Union building on Forty Sixth Street. Mm-hmm. And they help out, like, quote-unquote, like, older jazz and blues, quote-unquote, 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 musicians, um, with, like, healthcare, gigs, whatever. Navigating Um, that kind of confusing world. Right. Yeah. And uh, especially people who, you know, who aren't part of a union Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, And I worked for them for a bit. And when my contract was ending, like, I was getting close with Charles, and then I became friends with him. Cause I like love Charles Gale's music. Yeah, love Charles Gale's music so much, so 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 much, like all of it. Yeah, like all of it, even the stuff that some people, the the eyebrow raising stuff. I you think mean like the like, the, like thematic the preaching stuff? The, yeah, the preaching. Yeah, yeah oh, yeah, yeah. that's the best. That's that. Shit's He's incredible. Okay, but um, we can get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, w- you know, within like a to a certain degree. Sure. Um. But so anyway, as my contract was ending, and they knew I was close to Charles, they were like, "Your contract's ending," but like, they were doing this thing where they were like basically paying people to give lessons, and like, well, you're tight with Charles, like, you want just like lessons with Charles, like, as like a going away gift. And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Oh my god! So I'd go to Roberto's or Michiko's studio, sure. and he'd just teach me like jazz, like basic jazz. Really? Yeah, like cause I never like standards or yeah standards like a bl- like blues changes like shit that like I kind of missed the chance I mean that's a whole it's a whole nother thing but like you know when I I didn't start playing horn until I was 16 uh huh which I guess is like late yeah it is. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I didn't so, start playing until I was like 19 right exactly yeah. so you know what it's like yeah. where you tried like or at least for me like still being in high school trying to take classes people are just vibing the fuck out of you mm-hmm. And, like, I was committed to, like, learn and whatever, but, like, never. We are talking about, like, high school jazz band? High school jazz band. Like, I knew all those people. I was buddies with them. But I was just always kept at a distance because they were like, you like weird music. You're kind of weird. This is in L.A.? Yeah. yeah. I I, went, I lived in L.A. for high school.
0: Where? Santa Monica um, or something?
1: Um, they just call it West L.A. Okay. But the high school was in Santa Monica. Okay. Um, was it Santa Monica High? No, no, they uh, they are enemy. Uh, crossroads. You went to Crossroads? No shit, sure. yeah. You know, oh right, because your wife's from L.A. Like, my wife's from L.A., but like famously, a lot of people have gone to Crossroads. Yeah, That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not okay. my year. I didn't get anyone famous. But I mean, year below, of, but well, no, actually, yeah. year below is the new Han Solo. Who's that? This kid. Some He's kid. Super nice. Okay. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. You know, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens. I hope the movie doesn't like ruin his career. Um, <laughs>
0: Right, so so high school jazz band, and these kids are being pricks.
1: They're being pricks, and it was just like you know, like. But luckily, I had like a really great mentor who like basically just encouraged me to find my own way of teaching myself, and was also really supportive. Though it's kind of been like a that's a good question. Um, It means like you want to do this, like or like you know how Miles' mode works, like you've heard the song before. So he's like, play it like you hear it, Mm -hmm. you know, and was never like you're doing it wrong. Was more like. You need to find your own way to access it because you're old enough and, like, perhaps, like, smart enough to have some kind of way of figuring it out on your own. Mm. So, like, just basically giving, like, positive reinforcement and, like, challenging me when it needed to happen.
0: I've never even thought about that.
1: That some high school hotshot
0: who can play the shit out (laughs) of his horn already will not understand a piece of music, like flamenco sketches yeah like yeah, yeah. the way a 40 year old man who's like right spent his life with it and been like devastated will understand it
1: right well and also like you know when i came into music i was already really deep into film and i'd be like doing like reading a lot of critical theory mm-hmm. and stuff like that um la is a good place to be into film a really good place to be into film yeah um and like you know, in my high school, they had a film studies and critical studies department. What, like, what the hell? It makes sense, right? Yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. And um, so like going from having read all that stuff and doing all that work to then like going into like a music classroom where like the level of discourse was basically at like you can't play. It's still like that. Yeah, it's still <laughs> like that. It yeah, felt yeah, like yeah. so dumb. It's like yeah, yeah. I went from this one class where I'm like watching Godard movies. In high school, go to In high school, yeah. and brackage and whatever, and now I have to go fucking here, you can't play? What does that even mean? Right. You know, like, have you even examined did you, but, that I mean, so Did you take issue with that initially, or you internalized it, you think? I always took issue with it. Yeah. Always took issue with it, Um, but maybe I was just, like, thick-headed or something, and just kind of stuck But But mean it. so
0: what do you do when, like, you have to take a solo in class, or were you <sighs> even doing that?
1: I mean, I I was, but I still remember, like... You know, I mean, I would just show up no matter what and they kind of like got used to me being like the weirdo who would just show up. Uh-huh. And like try- I mean, I was also friends with somebody who was like a piano prodigy in the class who was outplaying the teachers. So he kind of vouched for me. Sure. You know, like if he if he wasn't there, they wouldn't have let my ass in at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so what was it like? Well, okay, what was what it was like was you know, doing a doing a show outside at the Santa Monica Promenade. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, everyone's, like, supposed to do a solo or whatever. Like, you know, I kind of, like, fake finger the melody. So it look like I'm busy. Uh-huh. But I can't I can't fucking play the melody. And I remember they're like, okay, Michael, you're going to solo after, you know, the kid playing fretless electric bass solos. Right. And this person tapped me on the shoulder and said to me, don't solo, you're going to ruin it. Who said that? Just, like, some, some other kid. kid in the just, yeah. like, some schmuck. And, or actually someone was even, like, a friend. Really? And I was like, all right, I guess... And so they pointed me out, I was like, no, no, dude, do this guy. This guy, this guy. Yeah, this guy can do it. Like, I'm not going to make a fool out of myself here. Yeah. You know, so to bring it back to Charles, it was like when I got to Charles, it was like certain basic things. Like, I know what chords are. I know basically, I know how, like, I knew, like, I went to, you know, when I went to college, I studied music to, like, pick up. To conservatory? No, no, just, like, jazz jazz classes, electronic music classes, stuff like that.
0: You went to Bard? Yeah. Okay.
1: And um, so I was, like, trying to kind of, like, pick up a lot of the... Just trying to pick up slack Mm -hmm. a little bit. And it was still always hard because it was, like, the different teaching methodologies for jazz stuff, they, like, don't ever seem to agree. Like, there was one teacher who was basically, like... Just feel it, man. It's all good. The other one was like, um, you need to be a fucking samurai. You need to be a mm-hmm. jazz samurai. Learn how to do everything in every fucking order. And then you can worry about expressing yourself. And then the other one was, oh, just feel it. Oh, no, you're feeling it all wrong. That's you know worst, what I mean? That's the worst one, yeah. So you're kind of like, well, what do I do? Like, what do I do? Um, so by the time I got to Charles Gale, it was like, I was like Charles, no one's actually just like sat down with me and played like a blues progression mm-hmm. and like explained to me how it worked. And he explained shit so clearly, mm-hmm. with no like there was no mysticism, no nothing. It was like, Well, it's easy. I'm just gonna play this. These are the notes you have to choose from, and change it changes the like it was just so clear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah In a yeah. way that I kinda thought, fuck, why wasn't it like that like my whole life? <laughs> like why like what like instead of vibing me? Why wouldn't you just tell me that it's actually that easy? Yeah, but you know, like, <laughs> and I don't mean uh,
0: uh, people need to figure out how they learn, and if you're right, a good teacher, right. you need to figure out how each kid learns. You know, I was, yeah. my sister-in-law was asking me the other day because she wanted, she was like, she's like, what do you think uh, I'm going to get lessons for my kids? Do you think like Suzuki method or this method? Oh, I, yeah, said, yeah. I said, you know, spend more time focusing on like who can get them excited about music and totally want to wanna play an instrument, right? But I feel like. You know, kids learn differently, and I think there's probably some aspect of like traditional jazz that is about making you scared to fuck up. It is mm. about you, you know, not wanting to, you know, be the dumbest looking guy on the bandstand, right, and right. you know that works for people. I guess the same way, like I used to play with Butch Morris, right? Who you know was somewhat from that background, and he like he loved keeping you on your toes. That's by, what I've like, heard not being very nice
1: yeah, yeah yeah, you know
0: and i don't like that i don't respond to it yeah, yeah you know it's not for me um i never know if i respond to it or
1: not it sounds like you don't <laughs> i, don't, it sounds think like I you d- don't like it well, I, I don't like it i definitely don't like it but i do like feeling a l- I either like feeling like there's like a lot of pressure or no pressure whatsoever uh-huh. and like the kind of in-between zone is kind of hard for me to navigate
0: but I do feel like, you know, I someone asked me to um sit in with their band like a year ago and mm-hmm. I said yes and I just wasn't ready for it and like yeah. they're like, do do a solo and like I did a solo that was like garbage. Yeah. And um I felt really guilty afterwards. I felt oh, like I, yeah. I felt like, man, this is your music. You worked so hard on it. Right. And like I didn't contribute to it in any way. I made it bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And were they cool with it? Or? Yeah, of course they were cool with it. They was a nice person, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... They're lucky it was a nice person. I mean, I've been kicked off a of bandstand before. Really? In yeah. New York, like, in your adult life? In my, yeah, in my, like, college, I guess it's adult, like, college life. One summer, a friend of mine, he was, like, super nice guy, really positive, really, you know, all about positive reinforcement. He had a summer job playing bass for, like, a some kind of jazz ensemble, mm-hmm. student jazz ensemble. And he was like, oh, well, come and visit me in Scarsdale, <laughs> where he was doing it. And, like, uh, just, you know, like, we're going to play St. Thomas. You can play St. Thomas. Like, oh, I love St. Thomas. I can play that. He goes, yeah. yeah, just do, like, a solo on it. Like, I don't know. We're going to hang out anyway. Like, might as well. I was like, okay, cool. I do it. The ensemble's led by this real, like, tough guy who, like, every other thing out of his mouth is how he used to study with Jack Dijonet. Mm-hmm. Whoop-dee-doo. And the guy actually has drumming gloves on. <laughs> which i've never seen anyone else ever wear i've heard about them yeah but like drumming gloves like you know blue yeah, yeah, rubber yeah. things because you know he plays so hard with a student jazz ensemble he's gonna right. rip his hands up i guess right. but and they, you know i'm up there and it was like such a f- horrible flashback and i get up there i don't know any of these people they're like okay now we're gonna have a special guest and i was like okay i go up and they call the tune and it's not saint thomas at all it's some like some bullshit like 80s fusion shit i have no idea what about it that's like a zillion notes you look at it on the you know on the you look at the score and it's like oh right you know you get dizzy yeah, yeah. so i, I just blanks. like did my best and was like as soon as i i guess like gave up on my solo this girl next to me looked over and she goes are you finished <laughs> and i was like uh <laughs> yeah and then i hear someone yelling you and I look behind me. It's the fucking drummer yelling while drumming, uh-huh. drumming with one hand, pointing at me with the stick in the other and goes, come over here. Oh, my God. So I walk over, like, tail between my legs and, like, a tenor, like, around yeah, my neck. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, what's your problem? Like, while still drumming. And I was like, excuse me. He goes, what's your problem? And I was like, I didn't know that song. I thought I was doing something else. And he's like, you have a bad attitude. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I, what? And he goes, get off my stage. Oh. And it's also really hard to hear someone when they're fucking drumming, like, this is the last gig they'll ever play, yeah. and telling you you suck. So I had to, like, basically wander around New Rochelle, around this, like, library for, like, an hour. Like, waiting for them to be done, like, not wanting to look at this fucking guy. And That's so like kind of a nightmare. Yeah, it was, but it was like a jazz nightmare well after I should have been done with those. You know, like, I don't go to Smalls. How old were you? It was like 19, 20, yeah. 21, I don't know under, before 21, because I would have definitely right. hit a bar, but uh, probably, like, 19. <sighs> I was like, Jesus Christ, like, jazz guys.
0: And you didn't talk to him after the gig? You didn't see no,
1: it? no way. I talked to my friend, and my friend was like, that was fucking weird. And I was like, yeah, that was really weird. I was uh, like, well, whatever. Let's just like, you know, get stoned the or whatever and forget about ear. it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so then I have to imagine that a place like Bard was probably very refreshing. Yeah, There's I mean, a lot of free thinkers there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It's funny, it's like, you know, the jazz department there was still sort of conservative in some ways, you know what I mean? Like, people, I felt like when you were studying, like, one of the distinct, ah, one of the distinctions that happens, I feel like, in these liberal arts schools that have, like, a jazz department, a classical department, its own conservatory, a musicology thing, and then, like, an experimental stoner music division, Yeah, which I eventually became, you know, found more appealing, um is that with the jazz stuff, it seems to kind of be some people seem to assume that also means it's just like how to be a studio musician. But why would you go to Bard to be a studio musician? Yeah, that's not right. Didn't like make you go sense. to Berkeley for that? You go, go to, to Berkeley right. or you go right. to, you know, whatever. Right. Um and so the vibe there still kind of felt a little bit like like first of all, like it's like people are good. Like there are tons of great musicians who came out of Bard but from the jazz department. <laughs> It seemed to me, and I I really got along with the head of the department, Thurman Barker, who was an AACM guy. Yeah, but some other people, the vibe was like kind of intense, and that people ended up like graduating and not really—they might have majored in jazz, but ultimately didn't do that with like as their life. Right. I mean, the
0: number of people that go to jazz school and then
1: quit, yes, a lot. Or just they
0: graduate and do nothing with it is, yeah, it certainly outnumbers the. The number of people that continue even on as like wedding musicians
1: right and that's you know? is, and that's like a really tough you know hustle too yeah. like Just if you a want freelance to freelance musician being a freelance musician is so hard it's like you know I mean or even trying to do like the big band like when I worked right. at the like at the jazz foundation it's in the musicians union and it's like all these guys who like you know like that's like those are some tough gigs to get yeah because they pay well right you know and right. no one wants to give them up Right, because it's a good gig. Right, you go out to like what, like Fire Island, Long Island, wherever, and you do. But
0: that's like sort of, you know. And I'm not the person to maybe talk about the problems with jazz. But, <laughs> but there's, you know, something I witnessed was I used to do some work at the New School. Yeah, and there's this thing that's kind of ongoing. There. So there's there's uh, people on faculty who. Are very uh, resistant to any kind of change, very resistant to new people coming in, very resistant right. to dealing with, you know, new ideas, um, you know, according to them, because it's not the jazz tradition, but Right. it's also, it's like, it threatens their livelihood.
1: Totally. Well, their you job's know? on the line. Right. And yeah, like, I, I it's it. not very good for art. No, it's not, but you it's know? also, you know, I mean, like, player versus game situation a little bit. Like, yeah. The situation sucks. Like, you know, you can't really make a living with art in the US. So you go to teach, but then there's not even that many teaching gigs available for right. teaching art. Right. And like, when you get it, you really want to keep it.
0: Well, and now to get the, I mean, it is, it's never, I mean, maybe because like I'm getting older. Uh, it's never been like the people that get the jobs now in the universities. Yeah. Are, I mean, aren't necessarily, you know, killers from the bandstand who are mm. like, resting it's like it's a pretty academic
1: it's a huge commitment yeah it's a lot of time yeah you know and like you have to end up accepting it as part of your like who you are yeah like that being a teacher is like it's not that you're a musician who does this on the side you're also an educator yeah you know and i was talking to an old professor of mine last week about this and she was saying you know she's like well now i've like really come to accept being like a professor and educator is like part of my identity yeah part of like my practice yeah yeah, yeah. and that's really cool you know like that's great well i mean there's you know for
0: some people there's
1: like a there's a pride
0: thing there where it's like am i going to be you know a wild dog out there right in the streets or am i going to be you know this tame lap dog inside right right you know with a fucking pension yeah you know there's for a lot of people that's a really hard thing to so it's deal
1: with. I mean it's funny because like Yeah, I understand it's like a like you feel like maybe like you're you're not in the fight. Yeah. Or like you're not on like the front lines. Yeah. But, you know, fuck it. I mean like look, I'm applying for like jobs all day. You are. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get I got rejected from Medicare. And so to me the idea of like having like a job where you have like health care yeah. and all the shit just sounds like, wow because i've done like you know just as many gigs a week when i had a full time job as i do now when i have like a part time gig
0: because well, you just i mean if i'm correct me if i'm wrong you just do gigs that you want to do you're not necessarily yeah, pretty, pretty much you know learning some guys charts that you don't give a fuck about so you No cuz i'd be i'd be like
1: really bad at it i would fuck it up
0: right right i can't for like, whatever reason though yeah. you're you're not like Gunning for some other tenor player spot on a European tour, you know of- <laughs> that would
1: be really funny, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean I'd be into that if that was like a vibe, a little bit of like a little bit of competitiveness is was- it's good
0: but wait so did okay. you so so when you left l
1: a and moved to go to bard, were you like, Fuck music, I'm done with that shit i don't need that no, the opposite I was like I was like, finally, I can like just jump into it not to deal with this pedestrian because you knew when you got to bar there'd be other weirdos yeah i knew there'd be other weirdos and also when i was looking at schools i like you know i really looked at the course catalogs and i what i wanted at a bar was like there was a lot of was marianne amache still there or had she already passed she had passed not too long before yeah um but like her spirit was very much like part of that department yeah and so, like, you know, I was excited about the fact that there were classes in Japanese literature. Like, I saw you have your little Mishima section. Oh, there's more Right there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Oh. That's my guy. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. It's a complicated one. I can say that again. There's a gay porn about him and about his shield society. It's a hilarious movie. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you'd ever say it that way. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, if you read The Mask, you're like, this is written by a gay man. It's his first book, and he says he's gay. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, well, you know. Yeah,
0: but then you read like the sailor who you know fell from grace with the sea. You're like, oh, oh my he's God. hating himself for being gay.
1: Yeah, well, that one, or um, <laughs> I mean, the be- like the the later like kind of like homo fascist shit he gets into is like yeah. so it's so out. But yeah, yeah, there's like a there's like a gay porn spoof on his so shield it's actual society. porn like meant for. Jerking I mean, off. as porn, you I don't really know if I mean if like you could find better material. Sure, for sure, it's mostly just like like oh, my God, let's restore Japan back to its, like, so, you right, know. So, right, 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 right. <laughs> and, um, right. Like, teach me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm spacing on the name, but anyway, yeah. So, I, like, I went to Bard because they had, like, a Japanese, they had good class in Japanese lit, this experimental music department. Mm-hmm. Thurman Barker was teaching, mm-hmm. Richard Teitelbaum. Mm. Um, you know, all these people who I, like, knew of from, like, weirdo records I'd listened to, like, in high school. mm mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that and, and like the film department was cool too, but I ended up actually not like engaging with that at mm-hmm. all, which I'm like still a little bit disappointed Are you in. Re- that you didn't. Yeah, I, w- I wish I had because there was like Peter Hutton was there uh-huh. and he's like an amazing or was an amazing filmmaker. Um, and yeah, I just like never really got to chill with like him or uh Kelly Reichardt mm-hmm. and the other like really awesome filmmakers, but um, yeah, I mostly just like really dove straight into music stuff yeah like yeah you know, I, I really wanted to like make up for like some sense of lost time yeah you know,
0: but i mean was that like i feel like you know who, what uh, marina rosenfeld would have been there. oh yeah like these are people who are working heavily as like conceptualists
1: yeah well she was like real like she was like my like when i finally got to Bardenstein classes she was like my closest teacher mm-hmm. and that's actually who i was hanging out with the other night um yeah. I mean she she was amazing. Yeah. She was great. She was an incredible teacher. Um and she had a class that was called Electroacoustic Ensemble that was basically just an improv class. I mean it was actually like an impossible situation. It was basically like anyone could take the class regardless of what you play. You don't need to you don't need to know how to do any music or have done music before ever. Right. And we're going to just like all try to make music together as a large ensemble given these conditions which is, you know, impossible right like even with people who are like rippers like a large ensemble is like fucking hard i hate playing large improv so hard ensemble improv but we would you know it was so great to be in a classroom with like you know a classical like like a conservatory cellist some kid who's like tripping who just showed up with like you know some change in his pocket Mm -hmm. and maybe like a contact mic but without like a cable Mm -hmm. and you know some crusty kid who's like you know, used to playing in crusty bands. Mm-hmm. And then, like, some jazz people. You know, it was just, like, a total mix of people. And that was, that class ended up being, like, the biggest education to me Yeah, while I was there musically, yeah. Cause, and
0: uh, what did you get from it, or what opened your eyes?
1: Well, because she was so, what was so great about Marina teaching that class was, um, like, we'd play, let's say we'd play, like, a five-minute piece, it sucks, it'd be over and all she would say afterwards was, like, these, like, little nuggets of, like, gold. You know, like, when someone tells mm-hmm. you, like, gives you, like, a really simple suggestion and just totally fucks your world up, mm-hmm. that was, like, what she would do. Yeah. Because she never felt the need to, like, hold your hand or to, like, tell you what you should do. She would say something like, like, um, one thing she said to me that was really good was, your entrances are really strong, but do you ever think about how you end a note? Like, an envelope filter? Hmm and I was like no oh, actually I don't what a good point like how do I leave a situation right. like I know when I want to enter a musical situation but how do I leave a musical situation in a way that like makes an impact or that yeah. makes sense or even in terms of phrasing mm-hmm. and questions like that like should be just as applicable in a jazz department a, like anyway, a jazz class yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah. like like listen to people um you know don't just play breath lengths <laughs> I mean, it should be obvious, but like it really you should know, be. Yeah, you know, you're just <laughs> playing, funny. and you're feeling like the spirit or whatever, and you just want to like. Why is he like 35 second blasts of sound? I don't. Really- <laughs> I know it's like all at the same <laughs> dynamic. It's like no one wants. To- <laughs> oh, what's King of the Jews?
0: Oh, you ever? Do you know uh, Nick Toshes?
1: Oh no, I don't. Oh, um,
0: you should check that guy out. Oh, that's cool. Amazing, amazing author. Um, lives in these Village, actually. Oh, your neighbor. Yeah, I mean I see him. He hangs out at that fucking bar. Um
1: Mona's. Do you know that place? That's where I'm that's where I think I'm going after this. Oh really? Mona's uh, is great. It's a real place. Heard. I'll go there for like a little bit. Yeah,
0: it's a real place. I'll be a good
1: boy. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were at Bard, were you coming into the city? I was coming to the city on the weekends to like see shows and then I started studying a little bit with Ellery Escalin. Who, the Man. The man. Talk about fucking saxophone sound. Numero uno, yeah. Oh, my God. And his actually, his interview on your podcast is fucking awesome. Yeah, I was actually transcribing it the other day. Um, oh, wow. I like the part where he asks if he can uh, say fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> he is... Uh, I feel like every tenor player knows what's up. Everyone, Every tenor player in New York is like, yep,
1: Ellery. They should. I mean, he... I, I mean, so everyone I've talked to is just like, yep, Ellery's the guy. I mean, his, like just like watching him do like a long tone it's like oh it's like a fucking sound well bath. he also doesn't like he's constantly reinventing what he does yeah from well, the ground up well when i studied with him is when he like was kind of at the cusp of when he changed his music a lot because he basically bought like an old con and then was like right and bill
0: singer restored it Yep, and
1: yeah and that's so like i was and then i also happened to get a con like sold my selmer and got a con like soon Were after you had like a mark six or something i had like a late really fucked up like mark six okay um that like i got for like a deal um and at the time that i got it wasn't they weren't as like psychotic in prices right but then when i sold it like i you know got it made a good chunk of money yeah, yeah yeah and then got like a way better horn
0: what'd you get a con yeah
1: of course a naked lady uh n- funny i got it's like a naked lady it's called a 30m the con I've, li- for, I've, I've checked those out on ebay oh love them. i should just buy one right uh Nah, they're all different. I've actually, like, I've tried out a bunch. You're better off getting, like, a naked lady or uh. Anna chew. Weber
0: was telling me that she bought a con on eBay for, like, 300 bucks.
1: Oh, well, hers is nice. She got it overhauled.
0: Yeah, she said it showed up. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Fuck. it came out of a dumpster, but... Yeah. She said, to me, even, like, in that condition, she heard, like, oh, whoa, this is the horn. Well, and just
1: when you play it, you can feel the difference. You know, like, it's just so... They really just take breath.
0: There's a big part of me that, like, I real I mean... I spend money, I, I, money cannot leave my pockets fast enough, and uh-huh. I realize like a lot of it is anxiety.
1: Oh, Yo, totally. You know,
0: like I just like, a fucking feel really anxious, let me buy something. Yeah. But I do, like, I'm, I'm into a thing now, yeah. and I have it for the last few years with gear, where it's like, no, I'm not going to play a clarinet that's not a fucking R13.
1: And yeah, no, yeah. I'm not
0: going to, you know, if I'm going to play a sax, I'm going to get a fucking sax. I'm not going to get some Yamaha
1: piece of shit. Right, well, because you don't want to just like sit there and be stuck with the thing, like, why isn't it? Like, you know, everything has like a certain degree of limitation,
0: but there's also something like just suave about it. You know, it's like yeah, if I yeah. bought a truck, I'm gonna buy like a Chevy Silverado. Like I'm gonna yeah, yeah, buy yeah. a truck. You know, if I buy <laughs> <laughs> if I buy like a fucking pair of boots, I'm gonna buy a pair
1: of Red Wings. something right, that right, is right. just like stomping the earth kind well, of. Well, because otherwise you're just gonna sort of be like, well, why fuck? Why didn't I just buy that? Why didn't I just buy it in the like first place? for like the few extra? You know, like it might hurt a little bit more, but it's usually worth it. Yeah, you you're not is. gonna have like that that buyer's remorse yeah that doesn't leave
0: did you take lessons with ellery
1: i took lessons with ellery for a while um i'd go to him i don't know when in college it was maybe like halfway through college i wasn't getting along with the saxophone teacher they had there and i was like look me and this guy we don't get along he vibes me like what if i just went to ellery and like use that for Credits because you have to have like private instrument instruction credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, Can I can't just go to Ellery, and they're like, Yeah, sure, we like Ellery here. That's cool. So I went. You know, I... you
0: know, the thing with Ellery is like he has such a perfect understanding. In my opinion, I don't know him very well at all. Yeah. That conversation you were, you mentioned like that was the only time we've ever talked. Oh, okay. Um, but my I I feel like he's got this perfect sort of. Like balance of being a technician, right. understanding the the mechanics of the instrument so inside it out. Yeah. Coupled with you know genuine curiosity, genuine
1: like he understands where the vulnerability is part mm. of the music. So he's also an idiosyncratic weirdo. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that's what I like. That's who I look for. Yeah. You know, and even like like listen to like the last record he did, where like half of it is like kind of moody improvs, and the other half is like, standards, standards. And, like, both, you know, they just, they rip. There's, like, almost no difference listening to him. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's just that idiosyncratic. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the people who, like, really get me excited. Yeah. You know, like, we're, they don't do everything because they're, like, weirdos and fetishists. They want to do this. They want to chase after this one thing. Yeah. No matter, like, how many different shapes it takes, they want this thing. uh uh-huh. You know, and that's... Like Ellery or Charles or David where I'm not using like just saxophone players, you know, sure, but, but um, like those people, they're all so specific, mm-hmm. you know, or like they're focused, and it goes totally different directions, and they try out different shit, whatever. But they're just like really focused on accomplishing their like aesthetic goals, yeah. And that, like, they you know they're like real, like they want to be real artists, right? And that, yeah, that just
0: like excites me. So, when you, you know, you go on a bar, you go on to shows in New York on the
1: weekends, like, w-
0: what was your idea when you moved to New York? You're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to play in the fucking free jazz scene. And
1: yeah, it was, um, I was very lucky. You've been I here moved- what? Since
0: like, for like five, six years?
1: F- yeah, five, six years. Yeah. Um, I was lucky because I, when I was at bar, I was like hosting a lot of shows and bringing people up from the city, um, you know, taking back some of that, uh, you know, all that money you spend to go to college Uh to go bring up, like, weirdos from the city who I wanted to see. And I couldn't, like, I can't afford to just go to New York on a whim to go see someone play at the Stone and then come back that night. Right. No. So I would just, like, bring them up. Yeah. Um, So I actually knew a good amount of people, and I knew uh, Weasel Walter really well because he would come up a bunch. And we always, like, got along when I was young. And we'd like share bills when he'd come up to Bard, and he was like, "What are you doing like after you graduate?" I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna go to New York." Mm-hmm. Why? He's like, "Oh, well, just like hit me up when to get here. Mm-hmm. We'll like play. It'll be cool." And that was like awesome. I was like, "What, really? Mm-hmm. Like someone who I think is like really so, great, right? Like, is actually like encouraging me. That's like out." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I came to New York, and like my first show I played in the city. Not, like, first show I played in the city, but, like, the first show I played outside of, like, my college band mm-hmm. and stuff was, like, in a... Qu- like, Weasel was like, you want to play this gig at um, Zebulon? Oh, man, I miss it. I know, I miss Zebulon, but now it's in L.A., <laughs> Right? And it's apparently even better. I, I hear it's very different. Oh, yeah? Well, it's, I, like, more professional, is well, right, right. what I've heard. Well, I guess, like, you know, the real estate market's a lot more... <laughs> it's a lot nicer there yeah. uh, than here, but so is anywhere. Right. Um, was that Zebulon he's like okay it's a quartet it'll be me Tom Blancard and maybe Steve Swell if you know him I was like oh my god I love Steve Swell mm-hmm. please like I would uh mm-hmm. let me do this and that was like really fucking exciting yeah. you know it was like getting that as like your one of your first gigs when you're like 22 23 I was like freaking out I was like didn't even want to like introduce myself to anyone before mm-hmm. it's just like uh yeah I can't, I can't. how'd you do on that gig I think I did okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did. I did. I did all right. Um, because afterwards, like Steve and I just started playing a lot. Yeah. Right after that. Um, and same with you know I still play with Weasel a bunch and Steve. So, yeah, I guess I didn't fuck it up. <laughs> but it was really, you know, it was also fun because like the pressure was so on, from at least for me on myself. Like, yeah. Fuck if I, if I really like flub this gig, in a way that like I can recognize and other people recognize, then like. Uh,
0: I remember the first time. Um. I, I got to play with a group of people that I really admired. Yeah. I literally walked the block before the gig.
1: Same. A hundred yep. times. I yep. felt like I was going to throw up. Oh, I was just like chain smoking. And yeah. I was like, like, what am I, like I shouldn't smoke this much before a gig, but also <laughs> like, oh, like what am I going to, you know, if I, like, I really like, so don't want to disappoint these people or just do some shit they've heard a zillion times.
0: Right. But then you can get yourself in trouble. Yeah. That's your yeah. starting point. Of because. Course. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes just going with the flow is really the thing to do. I mean, you know, if I think you, there's a tendency in young players to
1: um wanna show of off all shit. their shit. This is all my shit. Like Well like, yeah, then the gig's over. then you're like in fifteen minutes you're You out of ideas. You're empty, you're shooting blanks, yeah. and you're like, you know, you kinda want to throw up and they're like, We're still going. Yeah. For like at least another fifteen to thirty. Yeah. You know? Um But yeah, I mean that so like I was just in a lucky position because, like, I knew, I knew, like, those people. So when I came in, like, I had some idea of what to do, and, like, Weasel helped introduce me to, like, some people, and that was great, just to have someone, like, in Mm -hmm. my corner when, you know, because otherwise, like, it's really hard to get here and just try to figure out, like, what you want to do. You don't really know what you're doing. It It takes time. time. Um, But, yeah, so that was, I was just, you know, really lucky and, like, really thankful that he would... Give me the time of day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he seems like the kind of person who is sort of um, brought in a lot of younger people, sort of.
1: Yeah. You know. Oh, totally. He's, well, you know, he's excited. He wants to be, like, he wants to see something, like, that excites him. Yeah. You know, and also, like, is super opinionated, and, like, so am I, so I'm not really that, like, worried about that.
0: Right, 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 right. right.
1: Or, or, I mean, maybe when I was younger, I was a little bit more worried, like, playing with people who I knew had, like, strong opinions I'd be like, oh, please. Like, I'd be playing and a thought would cross my mind. Like, maybe if I didn't like the idea that just came out because my fingers were moving and my brain wasn't making mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a decision, I'd be like, oh, fuck. Like, they're going to, like, tap me on the shoulder and tell me to get out, like, in high school. Oh, right. you that know, is just, like, sitting on your shoulder. All the time. That little motherfucker. <laughs> so, like, oh, all the time. And it's like, you know, even whether it's, like, you know, some kind of gig like that or, um, like, the first time I played with Richard Cameron, who I mm-hmm. now work with, like, all the time and do, like, the issue... Uh, curatorial residency with, first time I was like, oh my god, I'm so nervous. I love this guy's work and I don't oh, yeah. want to like, you know, just do some saxophone shit over a guy who plays like at that time a box of motors. Right. Like unamplified. Yeah. And, like, you know, or I don't want to like just imitate him because then he'll like know that I'm just imitating him. Right. like a thing. Right, you got to figure
0: out how to play with people. Yeah.
1: And, uh but yeah, I'm just like always afraid of like just being like rejected. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I and mean, when did you...
0: It's I, I mean I'm I'm I don't know what the fuck is going on in my head because I'm all over the place. But like, when did like queer identity become like? Do you feel that's an essential part of your music?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's become more and more like a more essential part of like what I do. I mean, like when I first moved here, like I didn't feel like one one of the like insecurities I had, which you know, it was like there was it just felt like there was so little visibility that I was aware of. You know, maybe it was there, but I was just when unaware you moved of it. Here, how old
0: were you when you came out?
1: Well, well that kinda depends. You never really stop. At least like What like, do you mean? Like you never really stop coming out. Depending on like who you are. So like I came out to my friends before I came out to my parents. Sure. And then I came out to my grandmother, and then like I go get a job somewhere else in a few years and then there's like Hey bro, like check her out, and then I like gotta to go. Like, oh, by the way, like yeah. yeah, 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 you know. So it's like it's kind of a never ending sure thing, unless you, unless it's like someone else f- thinks it's obvious. However that, however they think that is. Yeah, um, but you knew that you were gay at how old? Probably my whole life. Yeah, um, never really wanted to be. Sure, because like it didn't seem like there was that many like musicians i liked who were like you know queers either right so it felt really weird to be like well fuck like i want to keep doing all these gigs like i really like these people but wouldn't it be like i don't want to talk i don't want to like talk about like whatever the hell that is like all right you know like i I I didn't see it didn't it's hard when you you know and there's a conversation like a lot of people are having is like visibility is super important because if you don't see like Like, the fact that I didn't know that there were other queer people who were, like, really doing music, which sounds so silly now, saying it out loud. But, like, yeah, it it didn't seem like it was
0: viable. I mean, when I was growing up, and I don't know how old your parents are. My parents were both born in the 40s. I mean, they would talk about people. um, And, you know, I grew up in as liberal home as I could have at the time, which, you know, we're learning culturally. There's still a lot of – there's going to continue to be work to be done, and you constantly have to adjust your thinking and your ideas, but they would still talk about, like, oh, I always knew that Freddie Mercury was gay. Oh, totally. And it's like, there is, there's there's a component of... It's something to be discovered. But also just, like, you know, he was fooling everyone else. He wasn't fooling me. Like, as if, like, you're fooling someone by being yourself.
1: Totally. Right. And well, and it ends up being this, like, double-edged sword where it's, like, you're fooling people that you are, you're fooling people that you're not. You know what I mean? And then, like, any kind... the only like visible like queer or gay people at the time like in high school were always like kind of like gross um, what I thought to be like these kind of gross stereotypes like well I don't really see any like I don't see myself in that at all so like you know what I mean it just didn't seem viable it didn't seem like a room for for me in whatever Mm -hmm. that thing was that maybe I thought I was Mm -hmm. or didn't want to be or whatever So then, with music, you know, at like a certain point, I was getting like really frustrated. Like, I think I went to like a few shows, and just heard people saying like, just like kind of casual homophobic shit. Like Like nothing. Like yeah, like like, the
0: the, the word fag, probably.
1: Yeah, they say like faggot or whatever, and like, I don't really get like that offended by certain. Like I can handle like a decent amount, but I remember being like it wasn't that they said faggot, it was that they said faggot in a room with no faggots in it. And that they felt safe to say faggot because there were no faggots in the room. But little did they know, they were talking to one. Mm -hmm. And like, if I wanted to, I could have just like, knocked that person out and been like, whoops, now you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I felt kind of obviously shitty. I was like, well, I, this is weird. So, Mm. you know, you're you're like on like, Tinder, and then you're at like, the show of only like, straight white guys and then you're on like your tinder dates but then you're at the show with all straight white guys and it's like this weird thing and then sure enough i am on tinder and i see someone named frederick butler this is a shout out to richard cameraman uh-huh i see him on tinder and i'm like who is this fucking guy i recognize this guy from somewhere and i was had just been playing some gigs with aaron zarzutski this like awesome used to be chicago-based uh electronics guy it's like you gotta like play with my friend Cameron. You gotta play with my friend Richie. He's mm-hmm. great. And sure enough, I'm like at work, bored on Tinder, and I see someone with the fake name of Frederick Butler. <laughs> and it's Richard Cameron. Yeah. So I get a message that's like, hey, do we, do you know Zooty? Do you know Aaron And like most Tinder conversations don't start with, hey, do you know this experimental musician based right. in Chicago? Right,
0: right, right, right.
1: And I was like, uh yeah, I was just chilling with him. Are you Richard Cameraman? Who's Frederick Butler? He's like, no, it's Richard. It's my internet name. Yeah. And it's like, well, like I'm going to this noise show. You want to go to the noise show too? I was like, sure. And we just like instantly became friends. Yeah. It was like we were like both kind of so relieved.
0: Like, yeah.
1: Oh great, we just start a band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like fuck this, like fuck dating. Let's go, let's go start a band. Yeah. So we we like did a session. The session was like good, and I don't even really love. I don't really neither of us really liked doing sessions that mm-hmm. much but we we're like fuck it like pretty rare you meet like another like noise fag i'm sorry Let's about do dog back oh, the dog bag. oh no no i love it yeah, i yeah. love it um and so we like did a session it was great and then like Richard sends me an email and it says well that was really good i think we should have a band name here's some choices i found uh uh-huh. and there was like the american jockey shorts journal um uh, there were a few other good puns. It came, it came, it came, yeah, comes from this old zine called Straight to Hell. Yeah. Uh, which is f- like the best shit ever. And then the other one was the New York Review of Cocksucking, circled in a pink Sharpie. And I was like, that that's one. the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, please. yeah. So we started doing gigs, and just like every gig felt like so, f- like, got me just like so happy. It was like just kind of all the shit I always wanted to do or shit I was interested in doing. But yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just like, it was like some of the most uh challenging and exciting and surprising musical mm-hmm. exchanges i would had with somebody mm-hmm. um so yeah we just like hit it off became friends and then soon you know talking about the issue of like visibility i had like already been doing a bunch of different series in the, in the city like yeah like i booked you a jack i used yeah, to yeah, yeah. jack briefly um and i had always wanted to do like a queer music series but kind of was like i don't really know that many queers into experimental music anyway so hey richard you want to do it with me yeah and he was like fuck yeah let's do this so we you know like any good like gay curators went to metropolitan bar in williamsburg <laughs> uh, at like you know six o'clock in the afternoon like i guess it's night or afternoon yeah. when it's like just like sad. it's like a, just a sad scene yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. Like, a sad gay bar scene and we're like perfect it'll be quiet yeah. <laughs> so we can, like, just go to the corner, and we're just, like, working out names and, like, what we wanted to do. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And, like, you know, and then recently with, with um, now that we're at issue, we'd always been friends with this great artist, performance artist, noise artist, artist in general mm-hmm. person, uh, Ames Armstrong. Um, who we were, like, Ames, you should totally, like, do this with us, because, like, you also know people involved in other stuff, and you're super on your shit. Like, let's all partner up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah now now it's like a trio of curators. Yeah, um, but yeah. So, to answer your question, like the issue of like queerness and making it visible is like so much thanks to like becoming friends with Richard. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: yeah. There's something I was. Do you know M. Lamar? Mm-hmm.
1: I was talking to Lamar. Oh yeah, as <laughs> <laughs> a character. Oh yeah. I was
0: talking to Lamar recently, and you know, we were, there's this thing. It's like I'm fascinated by. I was in Poland one time, and this guy told me that I belonged in a crematorium. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it did.
1: <laughs> what does that mean?
0: <laughs> like as a Jew.
1: Oh right. Like yeah, I yeah. should be lining the walls <laughs> of a crematorium. Like my ashes should be lining the walls of a crematorium. Uh, no one's ever said that to me, but because no one thinks I'm Jewish, I guess. Oh, you Jewish? I am Jewish. Hundred percent, huh? Hundred. My mom. My mom's felled. Okay. Feld. Okay. F E L D. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, Dad's a goy so. Right. Like you're a Jew. Yeah. uh But you know, and I realized, like, oh man, I'm kind of like into the aesthetics
0: of like what. The anti-Semitism towards me is, and I'm kind right. of into the aesthetics of historically how we've been killed. Yeah, and Lamar, you know, we were talking about this because you know Lamar was t- talking about all all this stuff, and it's like you know about lynching, and, yeah. and and obviously like you know there's a fascination with the aesthetic of like what the hate towards me looks like. what yeah, the yeah, yeah. you know, so I have this friend. We have a duo that doesn't play as much as it should, but we're always talking about titles, and it's right. like you know six million and two, you know, because this is a duo, you know, a kilo of sugar, which is you know <laughs> the value of a Jew's life in Poland during the war, like <laughs> brutal. <laughs> but there's just something, yeah, so, like, yeah. it, and it's just like I feel like it, it, when you come from a place, however, you know, if whatever I'm a fucking Jew in New York, like yeah, I'm not <laughs> in question that often, like, yeah, yeah, you know, we kind of run shit here, right? Um, but there's something, like, just immediately satisfying about taking that thing that, you know, that was thrown
1: at you and slamming it right back in a way oh, that's yeah.
0: uglier than anyone could have even imagined.
1: Right. Well, and also, like, you get to be in a situation, like, you know, I guess to I use, like, uh, the project with the New York Review of Cocksucking as an example, um, you know, like, obviously the name, you yeah. know, it's, like, a really long name and, like, no one really wants to abbreviate the Abbreviated, They kind of want to put the whole name there. Yeah, And, um, you know, like, the other night we played a show at this uh, awesome, like, DIY house spot called Heck. And, um, you know, Richard sometimes does, like, these readings of, like, por- like, pornography finds from various, you know, whether it's, like, a blog or uh, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just great to, like, you know, stand behind, stand next to somebody who's just, like, going super into detail but like how a glory hole works (laughs) you know it just makes me proud (laughs) but and also i I mean i think it's also like important and i think it's like an element of experimental music that like i kind of miss that i get from film a lot yeah that i don't get from music like one of my most memorable saxophone lessons with my teacher Ralph Buzzy Jones, was him being like, man, you ever seen In the Realm of the Senses? And I was like, no. He goes, it's out. <laughs> I was like, all right. And I watched this movie. And you seen this movie? No. Oh, man, it's the best. Who? It has? It's a Nagisa Oshima okay. film from the 70s. has like unsimulated fucking. And there's this incredible shot in the movie where the girls, um, the female character, is like blowing the guy. And she lifts her head up in this beautiful close-up and like... Real cum just, like, slowly comes out of her mouth, but it's, like, this... Like, when I saw that shit in high school, it's, like, whoa! Like, oh, my God, like, that's super deep. Yeah. Like she just Like, she just really did it, and it's, like, it's just, like, you know, that kind of mix of, like, I guess, vulgarity or mm-hmm. frank frankness or whatever in that way is something I think is really, like, moving mm-hmm. to me, and, like, something that kind of, like like gross honesty I don't see a lot in music and especially in like improvised music because you know it's like so abstract there's no text there's no context um and for a lot of you know and and for a lot of people that's great and for me I kind of I really like strong concrete context Mm -hmm. um not like all the time obviously I still listen to plenty of like non-idiomatic freely improvised music records yeah um but I do really appreciate context yeah. even if it's super abstracted from the material um it definitely informs it, yeah you yeah, know? um, and it like you know you know into the you know the idea of like queer visibility and stuff like you know Cecil Taylor, you know, like I know so many people when they went to his like, the Whitney exhibit they still didn't know he was gay, and I'm not saying that's like a fault of like the curation or anything, but I just I kind of felt like well, damn, that's, like, I didn't really know that in high school either. Right. Until I, like, maybe watched enough interviews and asked someone. Right. But did that...
0: Were you like, I? oh, I should have known that? Or did, were you like, that's cool that I didn't know it because he just made it about his music?
1: No, I wish I wish I had known it because it... It's not like I would have then viewed all the work as, like, gay art or something separate from, like, regular yeah. heterosexual art or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I would just... It would have been nice to know that there was like someone else doing it. Right. And then it was cool. You right. know? Like and it wasn't just in the way of like you know, the way that people talk about sexuality in music, especially when it's not like totally disclosed, is like, oh psst. Right. I've heard. You know, and it, like, I and everyone chit chats. We all I found myself doing that the other day. Oh yeah, we all I do was like, oh,
0: Wait, was Tony Williams gay? And I was like texting this friend of mine. I was like, Hey, was Tony Williams gay? Yes,
1: <laughs> seemingly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, or maybe. But seemingly, he lived with a lot of shame or, or right. Well, also, you know, and it's just like, just kind of sucks. Like, you know, I mean, if I if I want that to inform the work or not, that's like up to me. Right. To me, it does. For me, it does. Um not like you need to, but it was. It would have been great for me to know that somebody's music I, like, devoured in high school was, like, also, like, part of, like, the fam. Yeah. You know? It would have been cool to know that. Um, and I mean, I feel like I'm saying this, but it sounds like almost like there's some resent, but there's not. Right. You know, it's just like, how do you know, how do you find out that Cecil's, Cecil Taylor's gay? You Google search, and then what comes up is a Stanley Crouch article where he's like, Cecil can't swing because he's a faggot and faggots can't swing. Yeah, what he said? Yeah. In those words? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, more or less. Yeah. Um And, like, that's a shitty way for someone to be identified. Mm-hmm. Is, like, by what they can't do because they're, like, a fag. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's also obviously, like, silly as fuck. But right. Mostly just, I mean, funny in some ways. But, you know, I, I wish I had kind of, like, known that. But, I mean, it's super dangerous, you
0: know? Yeah. It's super, super dangerous and irresponsible. Mm-hmm. And, fi- I mean... This, to whatever degree it's happening, I think people are – I hope people are – I mean, that, that could be really detrimental to somebody. You know, who reads jazz magazines? Like fans? Right. All 12 of them?
1: Yeah. And then like, li- like little kids who are just getting into jazz. Yeah. You know, it's not – Right. And it would be so good for a kid to be able to like appreciate someone's work and say – and realize, oh, that work is made by – I mean, I'm just using like sexuality as like right. an example. You know, like – especially because sexuality has – you know, is always so layered with like – that's gross, that's not okay, mm. that's right, density you, 17 You know what I mean? There's like mm-hmm. a lot of, like, barriers up with how you talk about it. And it would have been great just to know that mm-hmm. about somebody. Because um, obviously, you know, like, Mishima or whatever, like, reading that, or, you know, I was even watching some, like, new queer cinema stuff at the time, or, like, reading a little bit of, like, Genet. <sighs> like, you can't, like, that's read... That's pretty brutal shit. Oh, that's the best shit. Yeah, brutal. Br- brutal, super brutal. Yeah. Um you know, and, like, you can't read, like, one, you can't turn, like, one page of Janae without him talking about, like, the Vaseline in his back pocket. Right. <laughs> you know it's, what it's I mean? Amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that's great, you know? Instead of having to hear about it, like, psst, I heard this one time, blank and blank, fucked blank and blank, and blank and blank was the bottom. Right. And blank and blank's always the top. Right. Like, I don't need to hear about that shit. Right. Like, that's, like, a what a, what a weird way to... Hear about who someone is, yeah, just by like a, some straight guy being like, "Oh no, no, he likes taking the ass." It's just such a weird, It's a weird. It's like, and I was like, "Why are you so? Why, why are you, you so into care? knowing that?" Like, yeah, like I mean, maybe you do too. Yeah, like, I'm not telling other people. Well, you know, but
0: that is that is an idea in um, uh, I you know, you remember a few years ago when what's that fucking guy's name? Um... Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, oh, when, right, when, he, right. when he was like – Yeah, when he was here. He said there's no wow, – dude, I can tell you a fucked up story about that. Um, <laughs> uh, he said there's no gay people in Iran. And everyone was like, what are you talking yeah, about? Everyone gay, gay yeah, everyone laughed. People are everywhere. Well, a friend of mine, a gay friend who's uh, a psychologist, explained to me that like, in his mind that's actually true because being gay is a choice, obviously. It's a choice that people yeah. make. Uh, also debatable. Well, no, but that's, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Sorry, that, it's, it's it's a choice that people make, and it's only a choice you make if you're mentally ill. And mm-hmm. because they have, <laughs> but more importantly, is that and so they is that in that culture, you're only gay if you're a bottom or if you're blowing. Right. If you're the if you're active, if, you're if, not. If you're it's the recipient
1: of pleasure, it's right. Right. What's gay about that? Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, and like you know, like like in high school, straight guys say shit like that all the. People just like make jokes like that all the time. Like, well, if I'm getting a blowjob, I don't really care whose mouth it is, you know, or, or what you know, whatever. Um, and it's like, oh, like why are you so concerned? Right, just a fucking mouth. Right. <laughs> like what? Like what is with this like obsession with trying to like unpack so much? You know, and like totally the an ass backwards kind of way to me. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, yeah, I mean, it was just such like a, um... you know, and even for me, like, growing up, like, in L.A., in, like, a liberal household. You went like, from a very to school, L.A., it's like. Yeah, like, I'm not, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, pretty it's all open pretty liberal. Places, yeah. um, it's West L.A. West L.A., too, yeah. right? And even then, it was still, like, all this, um, you know, amongst, like, cis guys growing up in like high school or whatever i don't know if it's still the case because i don't hang out with many high schoolers but (laughs) um (laughs) but there's like all this surveillance about like like are you definitely like a guy like you're gonna uphold like you know like the patriarchy like you're you're good right like you got this like you know like in the sense like you play sports right cool okay like fuck chicks yeah okay cool like, really? you know, like, like, and it was even in, like, more subtle ways. Like, no one ever said it exactly sure, like sure, that. Sure, sure, but there course. were, like, implications of, like, like, you're going to do the work, right? Like, like, we got this. At least, like, recently that's how I've been, like, thinking about it. It's yeah. like, damn, that's, maybe that is what, what so much of the anxiety was about. Mm-hmm. Was, like, you know, I remember people saying, like, that weird statistic of, like, oh, well, one in every ten people is gay. So, you know, you never know you of know. us here. Yeah. I don't know. Which one is this? So it's like, well, maybe just all the straight guys hang out together. <laughs> like, you know? Um, and it, it's just, yeah, like, this, like this kind of paranoia associated with it. Mm-hmm. Always, and, like, especially, like, you know, you read, like, a lot of gay literature, watch gay films, or whatever. So much of it is, like, the forbidden fruit, forbidden mm-hmm. this, forbidden that. Everything is, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, like, Call Me By Your Name is a movie about two people fucking who never seem to have sex you know what i mean mm-hmm. like we're still not gonna see them fuck because mm-hmm. it's like for some reason more elegant not to see them like actualizing their feelings mm-hmm. so it's like so much stuff is just feels still like kind of very i don't want to say closeted but you know like brushed like people don't want to talk about sex right and they also don't want to have to like address you as a, a sexual person who might even be different sexually from from you if right that makes sense right um, yeah, like you know I mean what, like, you know you're trying to think of like a hypothetical example, of- but
0: you know it's fucked up because like gay people are forced, I feel, often are like forced to wear their sexuality on their sleeve mm. in a way that no one else has to like I mean if, if, well, if, I mean any, well, any, like if, if, you know if you knew what I was into with you know like in the bedroom, it's like I wouldn't want people to know that. And right. I don't have to let people know that. Right.
1: Right. It's yeah. It's totally your decision how much of that you want to wear, or also depending on like the environment that you're about to step into, to what extent. You know, is that information you want to make public? And that to me, like, always still freaks me out. Right. I still get like you know. I mean, I'm, I'm the project I make do the most shows with is the New York Review of Cocksucking. It's pretty like about as obvious as mm-hmm. as it gets. But I still always feel a little bit like self conscious. Like, damn, I have to like go into this room and just like tell everyone, mm, yeah, like I'm a fag, like, you know. And it's like that's a it's not a problem at all, but it's it's just a um, just a, a thing that kind of comes up is like, you know, it, it's an invisible thing. At least maybe like for me in a way that's different from for other people. Um, is the word fag or queer? Is it sort of like the Lenny Bruce thing of like?
0: Disempowering the word by using it?
1: Oh, um.
0: That's a, that's a I genuine guess, question. I guess. Because- I mean,
1: well, you know what's funny is that uh, queer trash, um, through issue, they do like kind of sponsored ads on Facebook. Yeah. And they were um, not allowed to do one for queer trash because the it's- word queer is in it. And also because one of their stipulations that they can't do like a sponsored ad for an identity based. And therefore, "quote unquote" exclusionary uh, page or event. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like a hall us. of mirrors <laughs> when you start opening it up, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's you know, it's it's, it's strange, um, but yes. Yeah, so sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> Just I mean, you know, I I uh, at my job, it however it
0: turned out, like I would say. Four out of five men that work at my job are gay. Right, and so I spent all week with gay dudes. <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, you know, we've got a pretty comfortable thing going yeah, where, yeah, with yeah. how we make fun of each other. Yeah, totally. Um, and these guys, you know, they use the word fag all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, that's. Right. And I, I've asked. I'm like, is that gonna, you know, like, if, are are we, are you guys gonna pounce on me if I use? It? <laughs> yeah, like, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, yeah. Like, you know, there's. I'm not one of those people. You know, you you've heard ignorant white men for many years somehow seem upset that black people can use a word that they can't oh yeah t- you know, know? <laughs> like and i don't really understand what the upset is like why do you want to
1: use that word? well like what's the loss exactly <laughs> like who took something from you <laughs> like like also like at least like in my you know experience growing up in these quote-unquote liberal enclaves it was like they still want to say it but when they the were fag well or, fag the it, or the other or the other or any of the other ones yeah. they still want to say it right because, you know, like, when you're on the school bus as a kid, you first learn, like, the words fuck, shit, piss. Right, right. Or not like, piss. But, you know, you learn all these other, the first level of bad words, and then you get to the real slurs. The real, like... And those are the ones that you, like, a lot of people seem to, like, they really want to say them. Because I know that they can't say them. And, like, they'll say it in, like, hushed tones. They'll say it when they feel safe. So, like, when I was going to, like, a show, and I heard someone doing their impression... I think they were doing an impression of... What they described as like a gay Southerner sort of like how do y'all? And I was like oh, and we're just like sitting there being like totally unamused by this and also right. looking around and being like
0: ew yeah ew yeah
1: like not like like that's not even that offensive but just like the fact that you felt okay to say it in this room because the room seemed totally homogenous to you right is what really f- pissed me off more sure of course so like you know. Now that, like, I mean, most of the projects I do are like pretty overt in terms of like some kind of sexual angle. It seems to be um, more and more. Right. So now, like, I don't, you know, I mean, part of that was also I don't have to be in a situation like that again.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: You know, good it, for you. I'm glad. Yeah, no, it's it, it's 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 fun, and it's also nice to like fucking play a show and have like queer people at the show. I just I don't think I remember
0: as a teenager, uh, my sisters.
1: Five and a half years Older than me
0: mm-hmm. And she was in college And the first time I went to go visit her In college In a college town yeah. I'd never seen That many gay people In one place right. before And I said something That you know I regret saying Yeah. And she said to me At the time And this was like A big opening You know like A big uh, sort of Eye opening thing She was like Hey you know How you and your friends Are always like Fucking around And like You know uh, You know Just ex- you know, explore Like you know Fucking around with chicks And yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like these people are finally in a place where they're not around the dumb rednecks that you fucking hate and they're right, free right, right. to kind of be themselves like yeah. fuck off. All right. Yeah. Let them do
1: their fucking thing. It's not a big deal.
0: So like. there's I, I just this is just something that occurred to me recently. I was uh I didn't I never put it together, but I was talking I was at my job. And I was talking to someone who was probably I'm guessing 50 in his 50s, mm-hmm. gay man with a southern accent. Yeah. And I realized that I automatically I felt some kind of like 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 mixed feelings, or no. Like... I felt uh, like a great sense of empathy towards him. Yeah, and I talked to a friend of mine who's you know a forty five year old gay man from Knoxville, Tennessee, and right. I was like, "Hey, man, what do you think about this?" I was like, "I just I've noticed this," and he was like, "Yeah, you know," I was like, "If you grew up gay in the South in the seventies, yeah, like you fucking battled some shit, right, all
1: right. you know." Well, you know what's funny is like I was I was on tour for not I don't know like last month. Last month-ish in Texas. Place I've never been. No, Texas is the best. I was there over the the summer,
0: and it was the first time i I'm not going to do
1: that. No fucking way. I'm not going to text over the summer.
0: No, but I heard I was in a – I went – I was at a bar in – what the fuck was that? Dallas or – Bravo, Dallas. And some dude screamed fag across the bar like just completely like, oh, that's not
1: yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was cool like unchallenged or, yeah it was just like yeah that's what you know that's we're f- so weird like, like you man, didn't experience that no my Denton? experience in Texas was like blows my mind like everywhere we played was like run by queer or non-binary you must be talking people. about Denton of course Denton but yeah. Dallas too Houston San Antonio yeah. um you know like everywhere was just, it was like it was just, it was really beautiful. I was like, I was like, thank God. Yeah, this is great. Like, you know, like there's like a community of people here who like don't find, don't see some kind of like discontinuity with like doing your thing and like liking weird music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I'd be talking to to people who were like queer and they were like really like going in talking about like Jack Wright discography. <laughs> i was yeah. like what i've never had this <laughs> like okay like let's do yeah. it i'm excited like yeah, this yeah. doesn't happen um and that's it's very special um so yeah but yeah I, I love texas now but i'm not gonna go over the summer too fucking hard
0: when do you uh when's the first um show of the residency at issue it's it's march
1: march um reaching for my phone that saves my ass usually in situations like that. Yeah, it's like mid-March. It. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Actually, can I pee? What's the policy on Well, peeing? we're going to wrap up in a second. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the first show is, um, is in March, and really excited about it because the bill is, um, it's, we have Kiwan Thomas, who's a really amazing and brutal um, performance artist, and then we're bringing in Straight Panic, who's a great, um, it's a great gay power electronics, power bottom electronics uh-huh. person, who's initially from Alaska, now lives in New Orleans. Um, and they're super cool, and they're putting out like a tape of mine, too. Um, so they're playing, and then um, Lydia and Weasel, Lydia Lunch and Weasel have a duo called Brutal Measures uh-huh. that I'm really excited to have there. So it's going to be like... A, like we kind of to the night thinking like oh yeah let's have like the most harsh night we can yeah have this be like our harshest one yeah no On, like, I, I support levels. that
0: completely <laughs> yeah open so, up with
1: a fucking bang and also people who all kind of have like you know a good amount of like yeah let's yeah. rip this place a new asshole so it'd be like one person would be like okay i'm gonna rip a hole in this place and like all right like now i'm gonna go rip a hole in yeah it. so like everyone wants to rip a hole somewhere <laughs> in, this, uh, <laughs> in this in this place it's um, amazing <laughs> so i'm really i'm we're all really excited to, like, you know, just be there and watch. Yeah. And also, just, like, you know, it's all people who we think do such, like, amazing work. And, you know, the thing that that we all really like about doing this Queer Trash project is, you know, and even, like, early on, it was something we talked about was, like, you can have, like, a really diverse bill in every kind of way and aesthetically really, really um, diverse Because it's all under the umbrella or under the auspices of, um, you know, queer community building and, you know, and, and like, the queer fam. So you Mm -hmm. can have a night where you have, like, free jazz, power electronics, and performance Mm artists. Like, and have it actually make sense curatorially. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we had, like, Dave Rampus and Jamie Branch did a great duo on a night where there was also, like, someone doing poetry and performance art. Mm -hmm. And it was like yeah you guys should all know each other anyway mm-hmm. you know so to have it exist under the under the auspices of queerness or whatever like is great because it just facilitates more creative um bonding meeting, sure. whatever you know what i mean yeah um yeah and so it's just not like all like the same people shows right which is fine too it's fine too but, but if, if nothing else it's a
0: nice way to break that up a little bit
1: right as long as people are at the shows <laughs> well, that's a different <laughs> <Yeah>. conversation <laughs>
0: man i'm glad you came over oh thank you thanks thank
1: Michael. You. oh great now i can go pee
0: all right that was michael foster hope you enjoyed that he's a really nice guy i enjoyed getting to talk to him we never you know we talked in the past to say hi you know at shows and stuff but you know like a lot of episodes of this podcast, that was the first time we ever really talked, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. Check them out. Go to michaelfostermusic.com. And if you're around on March 10th, get down to Issue Project Room for uh, the first show in the series presented by Queer Trash. And that's it. Um, check out some past episodes. Leave a review in iTunes if you're digging it, and blah, blah, blah. That's it. We'll be back next week with another episode, and until then, be excellent to each other.